Hi, and welcome to today's episode of AFS Beneath the Surface. I'm your host, Lauren Meza, from the AFS staff team. Well, we did it. We released our first episode, and now we're back for round two. We're very excited to announce that the podcast can now be found on Spotify, Amazon Music, and Apple Podcasts, in addition to Podbean. In today's episode, I'm joined by current AFS president Cecil Jennings, who will share some of his professional background and path to becoming an AFS officer. Cecil, welcome. And if you want to say hello and give us a little introduction on currently what you're working on you know, professionally, and then we'll talk a little bit about how you came to be an AFS officer. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you for inviting me. And I'm happy to share a few minutes uh, with you this afternoon to talk about my AFS journey and my objectives while I'm in a leadership role. So I was an AFS officer, or have been an AFS officer for about 40 years now. I started way back when, in graduate school, back in 1984. And I really got into AFS because uh, one of my committee members was an AFS member and he encouraged me to join. Mm -hmm. And I've been in AFS ever since. Well, I've been a member of many chapters in all the places I've lived. I've been a member of the Wisconsin chapter, the member of the Florida chapter, the Mississippi chapter. Uh, most recently, the Georgia chapter. Do you consider Georgia your current home chapter? Yes, Georgia has been my home chapter for the last, uh, I guess, 29 years now. I came to the University of Georgia in 1994 as an adjunct assistant professor in fisheries. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remained at Georgia for the rest of my professional career. I retired from uh, the university and uh, actually I worked for the Federal Department of Interior, but I was stationed at the university. I retired from both at the end of December 2020. But now AFS is keeping you busy. <laughs> AFS is keeping me busy. You know, I can't just go home and sit on the couch. So this was a welcome extension of keeping my, my brain firing and I welcome the opportunity. Very cool. And. Um, so how did you decide to become an AFS officer? And was that a very well, difficult conversation? <laughs> yeah, the route for me has been a progression of increasingly demanding leadership roles. Mm-hmm. And so early on in my career, I served on various AFS committees for this committee or that committee. When I got to Georgia, I uh, was asked to serve in a leadership role and I was the president of the Georgia chapter around 1997-98. And then that continued on to the division level and I served on some committees at the Southern Division and again was asked to serve as president of the Southern Division, which I did in Mm 2009-2010, that, you know, officer year. Then eventually folks came calling and said, hey, we would like you to consider service on a national level if you'd be so inclined. Well, I had a pretty active research program at the university with a lot of graduate students and technical staff and just didn't see myself with the time to do justice to both. Mm -hmm. And so with my retirement pending, I thought this was my opportunity to give back to AFS. All is given me over a very long and and, uh, productive career. 
Okay. Do you feel that your career in academia or the experience with, you know, with AFS at different levels, I mean, which has prepared you better for where you currently are now in the presidency? Well, I wouldn't say that there was any one that was better than the other. It was a building block. And so they were foundational. The committee work prepared me for uh, leadership roles at the state level, chapter level. The leadership at the chapter level prepared me for leadership at the division level. Uh, on the division level, I got to serve on the governing board and saw the sort of inner workings of the society on a much more intimate scale than I had before. Mm-hmm. And that divisional level leadership role prepared me well for my current leadership role. So it is not one over the other, but the building block or the combining of all of those really prepared me well, I think, for the current role I'm occupying. Okay. So is there anything in particular that's been most surprising about your presidency thus far? A couple. Uh, <laughs> one is... The biggest one for me is just how large an organization AFS is, not in staff, Mm -hmm. but in footprint on the conservation landscape. AFS is involved in so many things on so many levels. And I sort of knew about, you know, meeting plannings and division, division meetings and, you know, its publication portfolio. And I was aware of those things, but there's just so much more going on that I was uh, unaware of. And as just sort of a rank and file member, you don't pay attention to those things on a daily basis, even though they benefit our career environment generically and, and oftentimes benefit us personally. But it's sort of lost in the background And being an officer allowed me to see up close and personal just how much AFS is doing for fisheries uh, conservation, not just in the U.S., but globally. Okay. And how do you balance all of this? Uh, It's a challenge. (laughs) It is certainly a challenge. And which is, I mean, I knew that going in, and that's why I waited until I retired. But like anything else, it's time management, uh, prioritization. There certainly are a lot of moving parts, mm-hmm. but, you know, not not to sort of give you false flattery, but AFS staff is amazing. Oh. And you guys do a really good job of pointing and telling us where to go and what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and I really appreciate that. And without that sort of uh, administrative support, the role of an officer would be so much more difficult. But you guys make it easy. And, you know, all the things that we hear from the field when I travel around to various chapter meetings and division meetings is, you know, people talk about their experiences uh, with dealing with somebody on the membership committee. They can't get their subscription sent to the right place or, you know, they really enjoy this meeting or that meeting or we get a lot of positive feedback that we try to share with you guys. The officers benefit from that really effective professional staff that you guys have and the work that you do. So that's that's how I manage it, sure. by relying on the staff, primarily. We're, uh, we're very sneaky in the background. <laughs> yes. 
So shifting gears a little bit, you sort of mentioned this in passing and you set me up for the next question I was going to ask you. Um, so talking about office for travel, what is coming down the pike for you and the other officers in the next coming months? Because I know that, that chapter meetings are coming up and divisions. So where can members see you and the officers in the next few months? Oh, well, there are a lot of meetings that are coming up. Me personally, uh, my next meeting is a Southern Division meeting mm -hmm. that starts at the end of January and goes until February 4th. It's going to be in Chattanooga, Tennessee. At the same time, or very close to the same time, our first vice president is going to be, this is Gary Whalen, is going to be at the Midwest, the North Central Division meeting in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and that's toward the end of January, ending on January 31st, okay. if my memory serves me correctly. As far as my personal travel, picking up, uh, continuing with that, there's Georgia uh, AFS is going to be in February. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be in Lake Blackshear, which is in central Georgia. I'm going to Canada on oh, February 20, 20th to 25th to Fredericton, Canada, which is in... Uh, New Brunswick, Canada, for the Society for Canadian Aquatic Resources, which is basically a sister agency or a sister society to us. Okay. They are, the, for lack of a better word, the Canadian version of the American Fishery Society, but dealing on Canadian issues. Okay. And so I'm going up there to represent AFS at their meeting and to support them as they launch their, their society because it's actually relatively new only been around for a couple of years okay. and then there's a whole bunch of other meetings over the the course of uh, the spring with all the officers uh, attending meetings that are proximate to our locations and uh, we divide the load among ourselves based on what's reasonable and attainable you know, given logistic challenges and people's schedules. Mm -hmm. Sure, understandable. I don't know how you know <laughs> where you are. What's we have a big spreadsheet. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. we have a big spreadsheet. I know that part of the journey, I suppose, as an officer is to come up with a presidential plan of work. So first of all, quickly, what is this for people who are hearing about this for the first time? And let's start there. So what is a presidential plan of work? And a we'll presidential a plan of work is basically a to-do list for presidents during their 12 or 13 month term of as being uh, the, the leader of the society. Mm -hmm. And um, the 12 or 13 month thing is just a base, a function of when the meeting falls. So my, my tenure will be 13 months because the meeting's in September, not August. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's my to-do list of high priority items for AFS. And so that's my presidential plan of work. Okay, now that's a very good explanation of what it is. So what are your high priorities? AFS has a five-year strategic plan, and generally the president's to-do list involves fulfilling objectives that are outlined in that five-year strategic plan. And so we have some flexibility in to address uh, things that are important to us, but we also have some responsibility to the society for fulfilling its five-year strategic plan. And generally, we try to marry our personal objectives with the strategic plan. In my case, there are some big-ticket items that are coming down the pike. Mm -hmm. And so our five-year strategic plan that I just referenced 
is expiring at the end of 2024. Okay. And so I am tasked with preparing a new strategic plan for the society to cover the period 2025 to 2029. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't do that in a vacuum and by myself, <laughs> but I charge a special committee made up of uh, society members from various divisions and sections and um, officer ranks. And they look at the previous plan and try to see where AFS is going and uh, and develop a plan based on that. So that's one of my to-do items. Another of my to-do items include recruitment of a new executive director because our current executive director is retiring at the end of September, uh, at the end of the meeting in September 2024. So we will be without an executive director if we're not proactive in recruiting one. And so that's another of my strategic to do things for this year. That's a must accomplish for this year. There are other little things. I call them little. There are the things that I call, you know, keeping the lights on. There's a whole bunch of stuff that we have to do that you really don't get credit for if you do them. But if you don't do them, then everybody notices that you didn't do them. (laughs) And so there are a lot of, not a lot, but a few of those things on my to do plan as well. Meeting planning, planning for the 2024 annual meeting, supporting diversity initiatives throughout the society at the various levels, efficient communication among units, what's going on into chapters, divisions, sections, and so forth. And so those are sort of the to-do things that nobody notices if you do, but everybody notices if you don't, (laughs) that are also part of my uh, work plan. Those are the much less glamorous things that still need to get done. Still need yes. to get done. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, that's incredibly helpful because I, uh, you know, every time I hear President's plan of work, I just imagine Joe Biden being like, hmm, "Who haven't I seen lately? Let's go yeah. to Canada and go visit with the Trudeaus or something." Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> those are a few questions that I had. Is there anything specific that you'd like to share? Uh, yes, um, there are a few things I'd like to share. Sure. One in particular has to do with society governance, Mm -hmm. which is what my current role is. And the other is an issue of uh, membership levels. On the first item, society governance, all of that positive feedback that we get from the members when the officers travel doesn't happen in a vacuum. It happens, we're a volunteer organization, and it happens because people step up and volunteer. Uh, some, some positions we have no problems getting people to volunteer for. Other positions they require a little more effort into uh, getting people to, to step forward and take on an assignment. It doesn't have to be president. It could be service on a committee or, or service on a, in a section or whatever. Sometimes we have to beat the bushes a little harder than I think we should uh, to get people to step up. And so all of us benefit from the really good work, which means all of us need to take a turn pushing the cart down the road, not just ride on it all the time. So that's my kind of soapbox on, on volunteering. Oh, that's fantastic. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, getting, like the old saying goes, many hands make light work. And we can't have the same six people doing everything all the time. And if people are looking to get involved, Cecil's email is on the website. There's staff emails on the website. We chat back and forth all the time. So even if you don't think it's the right person, we will find you the right person to get in touch with. 
And also there is a, on the website also has a link that you can volunteer for whatever committee or section or whatever you'd like. And so just go peruse the website. You might find something that strikes your fancy. Item number two has to do with this issue of membership. Mm -hmm. And AFS's membership has been sort of flat year to year of late. Okay. And over a longer period of time has been declining. And, um, you know, we just got through saying this is a member-led organization, and without people joining the society on a national level, we really are losing our, um, our muscle, our mental muscle, our financial muscle, and our standing when we go to lobby Congress or whomever on behalf of the profession, because one of the things they're interested in was how many people do you represent, what's your constituency? And the bigger that constituency, the, the more of a voice we have in advocating for fish and fish conservation. So I would encourage all of those folks who have left, let, I wouldn't even say let. There's no malfeasance here. It's just we're all busy and we forgot to forget to do things like renew your membership. Mm -hmm. So just take a few minutes and check your membership status. Make sure that your membership is up to date. And if it's not, consider renewing your membership because that really does make a difference as far as how much weight or how much currency AFS has when we're trying to advocate for policy. Definitely. Thank you. And again, if you have questions, um, there's lots of contact information on the website. The easiest way to ask questions about membership is just to email membership at fisheries.org. Okay. Well, thank you, Cecil. I guess one more question for you. So we were talking a little bit about membership and becoming more involved as a, a volunteer. What kind of qualities do you think are helpful if somebody is looking to get more involved, whether it be a leadership position at the chapter level or if they're going you know, for a section or something at the national level? What kind of qualities do you think are helpful to someone who is looking to get more involved as a volunteer? Well, based on my experience, the biggest factor or contributor to success in life is just showing up and being present. Yeah. And so... All someone would need to do is be willing to show up and be present. Generally, there's going to be somebody with more experience than you that is going to help you uh, to do whatever task, learn whatever task you need to complete if you don't already have the skill set. And so the next part after showing up is willing to take direction, having an open mind, and just willing to help out. Uh, there's really not a big list of criteria that are required for someone to be a volunteer. Just show up and be willing to help and to take direction as needed or to take the lead as needed. A willingness to step out and be in front when you have the expertise and others don't. Sure. No, that makes great sense. And honestly, I mean, we're always looking for volunteers who are looking to learn and looking to help out. And I mean, we're always looking for people at all levels, all career levels, kind of all facets of fisheries. So I would, uh, if I can add one other thing, I of would course. say you talk about all career levels. Sure. A lot of times new members or early career members think they have nothing to add because of a lack of work experience in the field. But the truth of the matter is, after 40 years, my brain cells don't work like they used to. <laughs> and I'm certainly not as technologically competent as I need to be. And so the younger folks bring a vitality to what we do. They bring a fresh perspective that we sometimes, older members, 
uh, jaded about. They bring a new uh, vitality to that. And they certainly have the edge with being technologically savvy and just kind of dragging us kicking and screaming into the 21st century. So we could use all new, fresh, young blood we can because we need all the help we can get. <laughs> okay, well, Cecil, thank you so much. I will let you go. I won't keep you any longer. Um, but again, we can do, you know, kind of a wrap-up session at the end of the year if you're interested in talking some more about okay. everything you've learned. Okay. Um, Thank you so much for joining us today. And again, you can find Cecil and other officers um, at division meetings and chapter meetings throughout the winter. Any parting words for us? Well, first of all, thank you for the uh, invitation and the opportunity to visit uh, with our members. And uh, as far as parting words, I would go back to what I said, just show up and be present. And, uh, and there's this old saying about do what you can, where you are with what you have. And I say that very much applies in this instance. Great. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Thank you. And now AFS on the clock. Updates in less than 60 seconds. The 9th World Fisheries Congress meeting is coming up on March 3rd through 7th in Seattle. Register by January 31st to take advantage of early bird rates. If you're thinking about attending the 2024 AFS annual meeting, you have until February 23rd to submit proposals for symposia, continuing education courses, and innovative sessions. And speaking of the Honolulu meeting, award season is coming soon. Start thinking about colleagues who should be recognized at this year's annual meeting. Most award nominations close on April 1st. Next, a quick poem. Lobsters are red, tuna are blue. AFS would like to spend Valentine's Day with you. On February 14th, we will be bringing you a webinar on native freshwater mussel research from a USGS team. Also, we're looking to schedule more webinars for March and beyond, so send us your ideas for speakers for future sessions. And finally, winter is membership renewal time at AFS. Remember to visit the website at fisheries.org to renew or join for 2024. That's about it for today's podcast episode. We'd like to hear what you thought about this episode and about the podcast in general. You can find staff contact information on the AFS website at fisheries.org. Until next time, from AFS Beneath the Surface. 